This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. A Saturday statement against the Islanders. Fans return tomorrow night as the Islanders come to D.C., And Joe Beninati here this morning to lend his perspective with now two weeks to go in the regular season. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, April 26th. Welcome to Caps this morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. The Caps without Alex Ovechkin on Saturday get two goals from Daniel Sprong, a three-point effort from Evgeny Kuznetsov, two goals from the fourth line, and defeat the New York Islanders by a final score of 6-3. to three. Ben, they sweep the two games on the island, and they do it without number eight. The Caps needed to know they could win in that building. They now know they can, and a huge four points coming out of that set, and now 14 days to go in the regular season. And they needed to know they could win in that building, John. And going back to the first game, the one nothing shootout win over the Islanders, also good to know you could win a game like that. The Capitals know they can outscore a lot of opponents this season. They can outscore maybe some issues. But when it comes to a low-scoring, grinded-out affair, the type of game you typically expect against a team like the Islanders, the type of game you typically expect come postseason time, Nice to see the Capitals were able to win a game like that. And also nice to see that the Capitals were, of course, also able to win a game without a key cog, more than a key cog, without the face of the franchise and their on-ice leader and Alex Ovechkin as well over the weekend. Perhaps we see Alex at practice this morning at MedStar Capitals Iceplex. Perhaps we do not. A lower body injury suffered late in a third period Thursday night, as we discussed here on Friday, hoping for some good news in the next day or two. The Capitals going to be going just about every other day the rest of the way until the regular season finale on May 11. So all eyes on number eight and his potential return this week. And encouraging from the win, at least on Saturday night, the fact that they were able to get it done with So much scoring throughout the lineup. Yes, Sprong stepping up with two goals on the top line, but also those contributions, as you noted as well, from the fourth line. And for the Capitals, you know, now, not that this is a long-term recipe for success, but in the small sample sizes here, the small snippets when Ovi has been out, they've actually compiled a 4-0-1 record in those five games this year, and they've scored 21 goals in those five games without Ovechkin. So again, it's not sustainable, but at least they've shown a knack. And maybe if it does continue on Tuesday, hopefully this isn't too long of an absence, but if they are asked again on Tuesday to fill the void without Ovechkin, uh, they've certainly shown in, in small bursts, certain players especially are able to elevate their play. Maybe they're licking their chops to an extent. Hey, it's an opportunity, a rare chance here for some increased ice time. Daniel Sprong, look, he goes from being a healthy scratch to all of a sudden riding shotgun with Kuznetsov and Wilson. It's a good opportunity for him and good for him that he was able to take advantage the other night. So there were areas that they handled well. The one area that wasn't very good without Ovechkin the other night, and they only had the one opportunity, but the power play was 0 for 1, and they allowed the shorthanded goal against And the power play in the two minutes and not a single shot on goal, it it just didn't look right. So it was only the one power play chance. That's something also that to me bears watching on Tuesday. If again, they are without Ovechkin, how do they handle the power play? Because it looked, it was only two minutes, but, but it really, really didn't look good on Saturday. This has been a subject that has been on this show probably more than any other since it began a couple of months back. And that is... Goaltending. Both games on Long Island. Ilya Samsonov plays. 
Ilya Samsonov wins. Terrific in the shutout on Thursday. I would call him adequate in the win on Saturday over Ilya Sorokin in the aisles. Peter Laviolette then going into the Saturday game sounded like a coach that wants to see one of his guys take the lead in what has been a shared net in the second half of the season. What do we make of his weekend, Ilya Samsonov? I thought that's probably among the biggest storylines to take away from the two games against the Islanders, particularly when you think about how this two-game set on Long Island started last Thursday. Capitals were coming back from that three-day layoff, and they did not look good in that first period. They were badly outplayed. They were outshot 15-4, to and Samsonov in that first period kept the Capitals in the game, gave them the opportunity to eventually win in a shootout and, and get the ball rolling on this three-game series against the Islanders. But thought Samsonov that that was arguably one of, if not his best game of the season. And you look at the two games set so far, the two games on Long Island, John, at even strength, he turned aside all 44 shots he faced, and that covers almost 112 minutes of even strength ice time that Samsonov did not allow a single goal against. And yes, he had help in front of him. The Capitals were sound defensively, but the only blemishes on his record here in the two games set so far, a couple of power play goals, and yes, a shorthanded goal that the Islanders scored as well. But at even strength, five on five, he's been sharp. And again, to me, the eye test as well, the way he set the tone to start this series against the Islanders, that first period, you might be able to go back to that at season's end and say that was Ilya Samsonov at his best, given what's at stake, what was at stake on Thursday, and how his teammates in front of him were slow out of the gate. But he bailed them out, kept them in it early, and gave them the opportunity to ultimately get going here against the Isles. All right, so as we start a new week here on Caps this morning and fans returning to Capital One Arena tomorrow night, we welcome to the show from NBC Sports Washington, man, myth, legend, Joe Beninati. A good Monday morning to you, sir, and thanks for getting up with us. It's nice to start the work week with you, and I can't wait to see the fans in the building tomorrow. However numbers there are, there are many they be. Locker and I are going to be in a broadcast location very near and dear to you, it sounds like. So uh, we are all looking forward to it, and fingers crossed the Caps keep up their success as they've played uh, against the Islanders recently. Yeah, here's hoping, and yeah, it'll be nice to have a little company up in the 200 level, you and the rest of the media coming up to join us. Uh, Joe, let's talk a little bit about the series with the Islanders. One game to go coming up tomorrow, but realistically, tough to imagine it could have gone any better for this team on Long Island. What did you like about the two-game set in Uniondale for the boys in red? You know, the first period back on Thursday I thought was dreadful, and I'm not sure where that came from. Part of it is of course, John, the Islanders and Barry Trotz play with that specific structure. And if you don't play quick enough to beat their structure, then they're going to impose their will on you, which they did in that first period of the first game. Thank goodness for Ilya Samsonov. He was incredible to keep that game nothing, nothing all the way through the end of a regulation and into overtime. And from there, I thought in the second and third period of that first game, the Caps got themselves acclimated to what New York does. The second game, as far as Saturday night was concerned, I thought was really strong. And Locker made this point. Alan May made this point. All of our analysts do. Kenny Sabrin, I'm sure. This was an extension of what happened in the second and third period as to how well they played in the first back on on Saturday. They they had the handle on the game exactly where they wanted it. They jumped out to the 2-0 lead. We all know it, it just seems like every Islander game, if the Isles get out on top, they can suffocate you. They're the boa constrictor. If they fall behind, they're not the team that's likely to rally. And the Caps had firm control over that game on Saturday all the way through. I love the team game. I thought defensively they played well. We know they seem to focus so much better when Alex is not there. 
and please don't get me wrong. I am not wishing for Alex to not be there for any great length of time, but when he does miss a game due to injury or suspension or a COVID absence, et cetera, they do narrow their focus and play quote unquote, the right way. On the subject of number eight out of the lineup on Saturday, his status as we talk still uncertain for tomorrow night, but a reminder, Joe, and you've seen him from day one of how durable he really is. The fact that he has missed so little time over more than 15 years now is truly remarkable and good that the Caps were able to win in the way that they did, but kind of a pause in looking back on how little time he's missed and why he is where he is in terms of goal scoring in his career. Amazing how little time he's missed throughout his career. It's it's hard to fathom when you think about it. What was it? 18 games, Ben Raby's telling us, 18 games due to injury of the what is it? Three dozen that he's missed in his career total over 16 years. It's phenomenal because he doesn't play the game on the perimeter. He is the prototypical power forward who will run by you or run over you. And so many times during games, he's got two and three people hanging all over him or lining him up to punish him. He has an, a tremendous ability to play through pain. And when he misses a game like he did on Long Island Saturday, I think that's a cause for concern. You watch the way that last shift for Alex ended back on Thursday night in the first game of this little three-game miniseries, and you sit there and go, oh, gosh, you hope it's just that he felt a twinge because this is a player who plays hurt an awful lot. Ever since you've come to town and started broadcasting the Caps on the radio, this is a guy who before then and up until through now plays banged up. And the fact that he doesn't play that game Saturday is of concern to me because that means he knows his own body. He knows what he can push through. And the doctors and the athletic trainers are obviously at this time of the year going to be extra cautious. So there must be something going on there. But it's hard to figure, John, with Alex because he has played so hard and so well hurt so often. You and I know things about him that we can't deliver to the audience. There are often times where we don't know what he's dealing with and can't offer that to our listening and viewing audience. And yet still he persists and he punches that time card and he plays so incredibly well. While most of the time guys having similar bumps, bruises, aches, pains might ask for the night off. He keeps going, but he didn't do that on on Saturday. So this must be something a little bit significant. And I say a little bit by his standards. Tomorrow night, there are going to be fans in the stands, Joe, so we can finally take that soundtrack that they've been playing and hit the delete button. We don't have to listen to that anymore. And real fans back at Capital One Arena. But for so many reasons, for you and for me and for all broadcasters across the league, this has been a season like none other. For you and Craig, this has been road games in the studio in Bethesda. For us, it's been road games at Capital One Arena. What has this season been like for you personally, being in Bethesda and not being at road games this year? With respect to the crowd, you miss as a play-by-play broadcaster, and you know this from your time on radio and television, you miss that anticipatory roar, the buildup of electricity before a great scoring chance or the reaction to an incredible goalie save or the oohs and ahs when Tom Wilson throws a bone-jarring check in the corner. You don't have that. And I don't care what you can do with your soundtrack, which you can take and you know where you can throw that, by the way, but um, <laughs> you, you can't mimic it. So it's up to us and it challenges us from a talent standpoint to create and have that energy, not falsify it. Don't make it phony, but 
you have to be more alert, more keen to the fact that that roar as Kuznetsov winds up behind the goal and brings the puck through center is not going to accompany your call. So you have to maybe alter your register a little bit. As far as calling a game from a TV screen, it's something that you and I have both done. I don't think we prefer to do it. There are things that we miss. You know, I I just can't. I I look forward to doing games at Capital One Arena because thank God I can see both officials, referees-wise. You know, you miss the trail official when we're doing the games on the road. You have no idea why the whistle blew. So it feels disconnected in that sense. And sure, the, the point of view, your visuals, looking at only camera one on TV to call the game, that does change. When we're six stories of, above or on, on Tuesday when we're you know at least 30 feet above the rink, you see plays develop better. And it just makes your call that much better to be able to anticipate who it is that Backstrom's going to feed down that wing, where when you see it from a TV angle, you might not be sure. You know he's right-handed. But, you know, it may. You know, can I see that clearly? You can definitely see it much more clearly in the building. And when there are fans in there, uh, it just creates that added energy that we all know and love. Well, if you aren't lucky enough to be in attendance tomorrow, he and Craig Lachlan, the call on NBC Sports Washington. Hey, Joe, thanks for stopping by this morning, sir. We will see you at the rink tomorrow night. John, no trouble. Locker's going to throw popcorn at you. You're within reach now. And there he is, Joe Beninati, joining us here on Caps this morning as we shift gears and take a look around the Mass Mutual East on Sunday. Ben, it took a long time to see a red light yesterday afternoon in Pittsburgh, scoreless into the third between the Bruins and Penguins. Jake Gensel picked up his 21st goal of the season at the 4:03 mark of the third period, and that is all that Tristan Jari would need. He picked up the shutout. Pens win 1-0 over the Bruins. That's two straight losses now for Boston after six straight wins. And with the victory, Pittsburgh moving one point past Washington and into first place. You have been talking about Pittsburgh for the last couple of weeks, as I have been talking about Boston, and the Penguins get the upper hand and now are in the top spot. Yeah, just not going away. The Pittsburgh Penguins 8-1-1 one one now now in their last 10 games and improving as well to 14-3-2 in their last 19. So certainly the sample size growing and the, and the sustainability of their run appears to be there. And the one thing I'll say about Pittsburgh, it's not often you don't think of them as the type of team that would win a game like this, a one nothing low-scoring, grinded-out affair that's, as noted, more the New York Islanders, you know, brand of hockey, for example. But at least yesterday, the Penguins showing they could play that game as well and ultimately coming out on top in a in a real playoff like feel against Boston. Rangers keep faint playoff hopes alive with a 6-3 win over Buffalo. Mika Zibanejad a hat trick. Capocacco with two goals in the winning effort for the Blue Shirts and the Flyers needing a shootout but they down the Devils 4-3 at Wells Fargo Center. Claude Giroux two goals also had one in the shootout in the Philadelphia victory. So the standings on this Monday morning, Pittsburgh at 67. They're now in first. Washington in second with 66. Islanders sitting there with 63. Boston in fourth with 60. And yes, Ben, the Rangers at 56. The spread is only four points. We say faint playoff hopes because the Bruins still have two more games to play than the Rangers do. But Hey, listen, it was a good day for the Rangers yesterday, and they're looking for more of those. It's a good weekend for the Rangers when you combine that with their win on Friday, and the Bruins had a loss on Friday in Buffalo. So the Rangers, since Friday night, have gained four points in the race to chase Boston. They've gained four points. What was once an eight-point deficit, they've now cut in half. 
Maybe it's enough. Maybe it's not. They'll find out here in the next 14 days. That's all that's left in a regular season, at least for the Capitals. They'll be done two weeks from tonight in a game against the Boston Bruins at Capital One Arena. Caps Islanders Tuesday at 7. Coverage beginning at 4 with Caps game day. Ben, have yourself a real spiffy Monday, will you? Happy Monday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.